0: You are listening to episode 96 of the Mud Stories podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are never, ever alone. So glad you're here because today we're going to explore what it means to examine our lives and make some intentional choices. And Shauna Nequis is back to help us do just that. Now I first spoke with Shauna about our muddy places over a year ago in episode 38, and you can find that on iTunes or at JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 38 but today we're going to explore staying present in our lives and making choices for our good whether we're in some mud or not and i'm thrilled to have her back to help us find our way shauna is a speaker and writer living in chicago with her husband aaron and their sons henry and mac and describes herself as a bookworm a beach bum and a passionate gather of people especially around the table she loves striped shirts Red Le Creuset Cookware, Bread and Cheese for Any Meal, The Smell of Lavender, and Always, Always Believes in Second Chances. She's now the author of five books, including Cold Tangerines, Bittersweet, Bread and Wine, and the devotional book, Savor, as well as her newest book entitled Present Over Perfect, Leaving Behind the Frantic for a Simpler, More Soulful Way of Living. Shauna, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I love talking with you. We need to talk about blueberries before we start, because OK OK. because um, since I talked to you last, I think I've made blueberry crisp, like I don't even know how many times. I can't even count. Sometimes it's with blueberries I've frozen from um, the Central Valley of California in the summertime. And sometimes it's dead of winter and I don't have any left, and I go to Vaughns and buy some frozen blueberries in the, you know, frozen section of the market. But um, I love it. Yeah. And in fact, there's leftover in my fridge right now. And uh, yeah, so I think of you often, which I'm sure many listening do. But tell me about the blueberries in Michigan. <laughs> because I know the ones that I picked this summer, I mean, just fields and fields of blueberries. And the reason I was picking them was because my dad... um, farms 20 acres of walnuts in the central valley of california and he has lots of farmer friends and one of his friends grows organic blueberries and when he went to market you know the california market comes before the oregon market and some other markets and um by the time he went to pick the um the people who buy the blueberries said that they were too perfect and too soft to buy and he um couldn't continue picking the rest of them. So when we, you know, he's my dad's friend. So we went out there and I mean, just all you had to do was like, hold the bunch, roll your fingers. And it just, they just fell in the bowl. It was just amazing. So what are blueberries like for you? Yeah.
1: Well, so, so this is a, a fun little fact. So, um, we spend our summers in a little Michigan lakeshore town and it's the same town that both my parents grew up spending their summers in that I grew up in. Now my kids are growing up in and it is uh, the blueberry capital of the country and um And what that means is there are blueberry farms everywhere. There's a blueberry festival. There's a blueberry queen. During the blueberry festival, every restaurant in town has to serve one dish incorporating blueberries. (laughs) There's a blueberry store. I mean, like I love bonkers. (laughs) Um, And so uh, one of the things that we do is a lot of times, like especially if we have um, friends come visit with kids, you know that there's like that time in the morning where they're up, they've had breakfast. You need to do something with them, but you're not quite ready to commit to like now we're going to the beach for the rest of the day. That's when we throw them all in the cars and we go blueberry picking. And we literally, like last time we went, we had 10 little kids. Um, and you just give them all a bucket and tell them like, hey, I'll see you in 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> and they just run up and down these rows. And it is so fun. And my cousin, Melody, is one of my best friends. And she actually, I don't I don't know if she's invented this, but um, she's always working toward the Michigan trifecta. which uh, is when you pick cherries, raspberries, and blueberries all in the same day. That's the trifecta. And uh, this year on, on July 4th, we tried as hard as we could. We did the cherries first. They were amazing. And what's fun about cherries is you get to climb ladders. And so the yes. kids, like the big kids, just love it. The moms are just having heart attacks the whole time. <laughs> it's like, am my 4 a four-year-old on a ladder? Like, look, mom! I'm like, oh my gosh! But it's, it's a little more physical. It's a little more fun. And they're bigger, so you feel like you get more. So we did black cherries for a long time. And then they had a couple blueberry, rows of blueberry trees. And so we did blueberries. And then we went to a separate farm to get the raspberries. And we were like, we are on it. We're hitting the trifecta. We're doing it. <laughs> and the kids were so excited and they wouldn't let us pick because they had been picked clean over the holiday weekend. So we, we missed out on our trifecta, but when we moved, we just moved back from the lake, uh, this week and I brought two full coolers of mm-hmm. strawberries, peaches, cherries, and blueberries that we've been picking, uh, mm-hmm. and freezing all summer. So crisp, all year long for us.
0: Right. And what I love so much about your recipe is that, um, I had been dabbling into a little paleo food Mm -hmm. recipes this year and your, your crisp recipe is gluten-free and it's awesome. Anyway,
1: love. Oh, thank you. The other thing I will say, I I, I promise not to talk about berries the whole time, but, um, (laughs) now I make the crisp recipe with coconut oil instead of olive oil. Do you? And I add a little bit of um, unsweetened coconut flakes in the place of the almond meal. And I think it's even better. Really? So um, if you like coconut flavor, if you don't, you obviously hate it. But um, it adds like a really fun sweetness. So the, like a lot of times we'll do um, cherries and blueberries and then pecans and the, uh, and the coconut. Yeah. And we really like that.
0: Awesome. Well, I will have to admit I am not a coconut fan, but I have people in my life who would love that. So There you go. Uh, and I've made the crisp topping for all kinds of fruit underneath. So yeah. it works it works well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. Okay, so I just found out that you like lavender, too. And I was, we just, it's funny because I took this book, Present Over Perfect, with me on our two-week Alaskan cruise that I just did with my parents and my kids and my husband. And, um, you know, the the beauty of Alaska is stunning in its own right. And um, your words were a stunning accompaniment that I took with me and I took some pictures in the forest of Alaska reading your words. But um, I was also on the sea when I read your words, which was kind of funny because the the cover has water. um, Mm -hmm. Although I'm guessing it's the lake. Is that the lake? You know what? It's actually Lake Geneva, which is a much
1: smaller lake in Wisconsin. And there's a whole funny story about why it's that lake in particular.
0: Okay. Well, let's talk about that. Share with us some fun memories of times at the lake and why Lake Geneva for the cover.
1: So, Aaron, my husband always teases me about this, that I come by it honestly, but I was, you know, both my grandpas are, were sailors and, um, my dad and my brother are race sailboats and all of my family vacations are on the water, whether it's on Lake Michigan or, um, on the ocean somewhere sailing. So I am like kind of water and uh, be, being a water and beach person is part of a big part of my history, but it's also, it's the symbol for me of, it's the place where I feel God's bigness and his presence mm-hmm. most acutely, you know, something like my husband is totally like a mountains person. Like we fly over the mountains and he's like having my yeah, religious too. experience. And yes. I'm like, that, that looks fine. I'm kind of makes me thirsty, <laughs> whatever. Um, for me, it's the water. And, um, at a season in my life, you know, when I was writing this book, when I needed to be, I needed to make some radical changes about my life. Um, and I, I needed to recover a sense of silence and simplicity and, um, being with God, not just working on his behalf. Um, and the water was really the, the place where a lot of that transformation happened. And so, um, when we started dreaming about the cover, I, I, I work with an amazing team. Um, but I tend to be very involved in the cover process. Some authors are, some aren't. Um, I had taken a photo and posted on Instagram years before this, and it was kind of, you know, my feet wearing the white Chuck tailors at the end of the dock, um, looking out at this sort of, Uh, not like bright, sunny, but not dark, ominous, just sort of this like calm water scene. And I really wanted to use that for the book, but because it was an iPhone photo, it wasn't um, high res enough. So then my great team um, like went to Lake Michigan and staged this whole shoot and they were going to capture it just exactly. But because – like I just, I cared about it so much and I just wanted it a certain way. And they were trying so hard, but it was the wrong season and the sun was coming to the wrong direction. (laughs) And I finally was like, you guys, I promise, I promise not to be like this, like 99 other percent of the time. Um, I'm going to take this picture. My husband and I are going to take this picture and I'm going to send it to you. And I know that when authors say things like, I'm going to take my own (laughs) cover photo, you just want to lose your mind. I understand that you all are professionals, but we can do this. Like in this, in this situation, I have such a clear picture in my mind. I'm going to drive you bonkers until I just take the picture and send it to you. And they were like, well, that sounds lovely. Um, (laughs) and it was Thanksgiving, This Chicago, Wisconsin, it's freezing. And my, my husband and my kids and I were heading up to uh, Madison, Wisconsin for the weekend. And we stopped, uh, on Lake Geneva, which is, um, my husband grew up spending summers on Lake Geneva. And I, um, There's a little camp there that I go up to and write sometimes that I just absolutely love. And so it's a lake that means a lot to us. And we had lunch and then the kids were in the car and we pulled up to this dock and we cranked up the heat and turned on their movies. And we said like we'll be back in five minutes. And Aaron and I sprinted to the end of the dock and I stuck my feet out with the shoes and he <laughs> took like 100 pictures. And that's how we got the cover image. So
0: <laughs> I love it. I love
1: that. So that, you know, that's how it goes, right? You have this incredibly – perfect picture in your mind. And then it involves, you know, winter and trespassing and whatever. It
0: was fine. So you redeemed yourself in actually sending one that was usable. Oh, they, yeah. They I, forgave they, your high maintenance-ness. Oh, I'm, and I'm
1: sure they were just absolutely shocked. They were like, against all odds, this picture is <laughs> actually going to work. And I was like, right, thank you. No, they're great. I work with the coolest team and they they roll with a lot on my part.
0: Oh, I love it. Well, let's talk about um, what you faced to lead to this message, because there's a whole backstory. So uh, I like to call it mud. Some people can call it adversity. Uh, you sometimes call it hustle or disconnection or heartbreak. But whatever it was, can you describe for for everybody? Catch them up. What what happened? Um, that was the catalyst for not only writing but living this project.
1: Yeah, I had been um, writing books and traveling and speaking for several years. And traveling more and more and speaking more and more and, um, signing on for more and more writing deadlines. And at the time I had a baby, so I was 36. I had two kids. One of them was a baby that was not, it was had very, a lot of good qualities, but not sleeping was not one of his qualities. (laughs) And, um, and I, I I realized in little ways. And then all of a sudden, all at once that I wasn't the person I wanted to be anymore, that the person I had to become to manage the weight and complexity of the life I had created for myself, um, was not a person I liked very much. And so for example, I have a really clear memory of one of my best friends coming to town who I adore. Um, and I was like, uh, my mind was working so hard to manage my deadlines and my editing and my traveling. And I was so exhausted and I was so depleted that I barely remember anything about her visit, except that I remember being frustrated almost all the time because I couldn't, it's like I couldn't be the person I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I couldn't just be there and warm and silly. Everything was hard. I felt like I was carrying everything. I felt like I snapped at everyone. And I just realized like, what am I, what am I doing this for? Right? Like, so I've accomplished a lot of work, but I don't actually want to be in the same room with a person like me. I don't think I'm doing it right. Like, I think I've, I think
0: I've gotten the math
1: wrong and I think it's my responsibility to make it right.
0: Did that surprise you about where you ended up? Because there was a lot of effort leading to that point. I mean, you're writing, you're speaking, you're getting book contracts, a dreams that many people who may be listening to us currently have. Did it surprise you feeling that way when you arrived there?
1: Yes. I think for a long time, I didn't let myself feel that, or I sort of ignored those feelings because it was my dream and it was something I felt very strongly about. I was very excited and passionate about it. And so, um, I think some of what got me to such a bad place was my unwillingness to sort of say, yeah, it's it's what I thought I wanted, but I guess it isn't anymore. Mm -hmm. It took me a really, really long way. And I hope that in the future, I'm better at paying attention to those small signs saying like, just because you, you thought this was the path you wanted doesn't mean you can't change. I like just kept marching and marching and marching way past where I should have.
0: But it was a slow fade, right? It wasn't, it wasn't something that just came upon you. And I'm guessing it's like that for a lot of people. I only say that because it seems to me from, you know, an outsider looking in that there are, you know, people who are, in the same business that you're in, if you want to call it a business or a ministry, I'm not sure what you like to refer to it as, but writing and inspiring people and ministry and pointing people toward God. And yet it seems like the hustle and whatever leads you to that place in publishing or whatever, many of you are starting to send this message of we've got to savor things. We've got to slow down. We've got to look at what matters and stop the rat race. And yet I'm wondering... Is that an inevitable place that you have to sort of, quote unquote, pay the price for before you get to be present over perfect?
1: Do you know what I'm saying? I I mean, uh, someone asked me recently, like, well, isn't it it sort of like you reached a certain point of success and now you're able to sort of dismantle it all? But what about what would you say to someone who uh, is still aspiring toward a particular whatever? Yes. Um, and I would say, um, for whatever person who's looking at me saying I've achieved a certain amount of success, I can name the 50 men and women who have achieved way more than I have that I'm aspiring to. Right. So you never arrive. Like I don't wake up in the morning and go like, well, I checked my book sales. I'm officially a successful person and dot, 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 you know, (laughs) um, that, that doesn't and there you know glennon melton says um there's no there there and i think that's an important thing to keep in mind like i didn't i didn't have a career milestone in mind after which point i would slow things down i was in the middle of just figuring it all out and i decided we need to stop this train right now and i need to rebuild it and it needs to run on totally different fuel And then I'll get back on when I'm ready and we will deal with whatever fallout there is because I can't live this way anymore. So this was not about, um, you know, like hitting the career trajectory thing right. This was like I'm either going to do this a new way or I'm not going to do it at all Um, because the pain level was high enough. And so and the important thing I would say is this exhaustion that I felt, this emptiness, this isolation, this sense of being really far from the person I wanted to be. This can happen to anyone in any season of life, in any realm. You can, it can happen to someone who has absolutely no work aspect to their life. It can happen for someone who has a very, uh, like, I just, you don't have to be freelance, you don't have to be a writer, you don't have to be public, you know, you just have to believe that um, busyness and achievement are going to save you. And you have to stop listening to your body and your soul along the way. And if you are if you do those two things, no matter what your life looks like, you will find yourself in a burned out, exhausted, dead end place. Um, and so it's this is not just reserved for a certain kind of person doing a certain kind of career. It's about what you believe about your value and what will heal you up and make you feel whole. I believe that work and achievement would do that. And mm-hmm. it didn't. And now what I'm discovering is that it's God's unconditional love that uh, when I ground myself in that, when I begin and end my day with the knowledge of his unconditional love for me and for all people, then I'm free Mm -hmm. to live however I want to live. I'm free to work really hard or less hard or try something crazy or take a rest or play or be, because my worth is not on the line with everything I make or don't make or do or don't do. And that groundedness is changing everything.
0: I think that's so important for you to highlight because you write about how productivity can become an idol for any one of us and how if we really you know, wake up and see ourselves in a place where we're not happy with how things are going, like you discovered, getting underneath the root of what's really going on. You know, maybe we're trying to prove our worth or we're trying to outrun emptiness or escape a deep insecurity. Or maybe, you know, we use activity like you described to medicate, uh, use it as a drug to medicate ourselves, to numb us out, to not feel what it would really feel like if we chose to be really real with our own selves inside. Obviously, God's unconditional love was something that you rediscovered. What has the pursuit of reconnection with God looked like for you?
1: Well, I think um, I hate to say that this is true, but it is Um, somewhere along the way over the years, I became to think I I came to think of myself way more as a soldier than a daughter. Um, I was working for a good God on behalf of a good God, but I was not in a relationship of love and connection with him. And that's my doing, obviously, not his. Um, And I came to see my faith as one more area that I could try and fail, Um, just like everything else. Like I'm trying to work harder. I'm trying to keep the house clean. I'm trying to keep my deadlines. I'm trying to be a good mom. I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm trying to, you know, everything was trying. Everything was pushing and scraping up enough energy and, Through um, really good time with a Christian counselor and with a spiritual director and through a lot of great books and silence and a silent retreat, um, learning some new practices like uh, centering prayer, um, I began to recover a sense of God's unconditional love. And that has been the ballgame for me. Um, What used to be, you know, my faith used to be another thing to work on and work at And I would say now that it's the safest place in my life. It's the softest place to land, that when things start to feel crazy or start to feel heavy or I start to feel a sense of failure or anxiety, I pull away into the silence and into prayer. And it's there that I recover that sense of groundedness and love. And um, if it were just for just that, this whole journey would have been profoundly worth it. That has changed everything.
0: Can you share with us some of the practical ways we can do that too? You know, maybe there's somebody listening today who knows about God and loves Jesus, but it's a little fuzzy to them when you say stillness, prayer, um, silence, like practically. Yeah. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So
1: totally. Um uh, on one hand, I'm like the worst person to tell you how to do this because not I'm that so... we need to copy you. I don't
0: know. I'm just wanting your input and your experience yeah. because you've been from a place. I mean, Shauna, you grew up in the Christian church in a culture that taught this, and and. Many people in your life lived this, and yet it's been a journey for you. And I, my longing is that whoever's listening, that there would be no guilt, that there would be no shame, that it would just be all of us grabbing arms together and saying, you know what, we're all at different places, and here's what I did that works for me, and here's what she did that works for her, and you can do part of that or some of that or something from someone else, and we'll just all figure it out together and move toward God, you know? Exactly. And, um, what has been helpful for me is, and again, this is just
1: for me, but I tend to find that, um, I connect with God more, uh, that connection takes place. It takes a little less time to get there if I'm outside. Um, Mm -hmm. nature connects me to God in a way that like, you know, sitting in front of my laptop tends to not, (laughs) um, and so for me, I go outside and I take my coffee and we don't have like, I, I I wish that I had like, you know, 70 acres of farmland and a beautiful like Adirondack chair on my porch. I totally don't. I live in the suburbs. I have like, it's not even a front porch. It's like just the step before you go in the door. Um, <laughs> but I, I sit there with my coffee for literally like three minutes. I'm not kidding. But when you've lived a life so free from silence and stillness as I have, three minutes is like crossing an ocean. Um, it's really, really a lot. Um, and I, um, the important thing too, is for a long time, my prayer life felt was just me chattering, right? Like it's just me making more noise and that's fine. That's a part of prayer, but this is a sense. This is completely for me centering prayers about, um, letting God remind me who he is, not me telling him anything or myself, Mm -hmm. anything it's creating space and silence for God to remind me in a deep way who he is. And I think about it, think about it in terms of our kids. Like think about how often in a day you want to kind of like grab their little faces and look really deep in their eyes and be like, do you know how much I love you? Mm -hmm. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just have this impulse, like you want to, you want to tell them as many different ways as you can so that that reality becomes like deeply anchored in their soul, right? That's because if they feel your love and confidence and hope for them, then they have a a strong foundation to go out into the world. And I picture God kind of doing that with me. This is my chance to sit with him and have him remind me of his love because that's what makes me strong and confident and grounded and able to move out into the world. So at least two times a day at the beginning of the day, and the end, I take a couple minutes and I let God remind me of the truth of his love for me and for all people, not based on what we do, what we've left undone, Mm -hmm. what we failed at, what we've tried at just for having been created.
0: Right.
1: And, and that really changes me.
0: It changes me too. And I think it will change each and every person who chooses to pause long enough because, you know, we can be in silence in a room and yet our mind is not silent, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, I think it gets confusing for some people wondering, how am I going to hear from God? What is He saying? How do I know what He wants me to do? And for me, I I would say, you know, there's a lot of moments where God's plan for me or His prompting to me sounds a lot like my own thoughts inside my head.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, you know, there are a lot of different functions of and practices in a full spiritual life. There's a time for studying scripture and analyzing it and learning from it. There's a time for asking God about the decisions you're making. Those are all there's a time for worship and for teaching and for serving and all these different things. What I found is that I I had a very robust spiritual life doing all of those things, but none of it was undergirded by this deep grounding sense of God's love. And so at that point, a lot of it just became things to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Less ways to be with and more things to get done.
0: Right. And there's nothing we can do to earn God's love. There's nothing we can do to make him love us more. I think that is something a lot of people are striving for. You know, I got to do this right and I got to check this thing off. And I read my Bible and I was nice to my friend and I, you know, did some random act of kindness, and yet God's love for us doesn't change, right?
1: hmm And so you do those things because you feel like they're the right things to do, because you feel like God has invited you into this way of living, but not because it's the thing that finally is going to secure your worth on the planet.
0: Right, right. So key, so important. And really, it's out of that place that we're able to make decisions as to what is best for us moving forward as we desire to stay present instead of achieving perfection, right? Right. So let's talk about how we make decisions then, because I certainly don't think you're advocating for us to just stop everything we're doing and just be present in our still calm quiet house. Well, I mean, I think as much as that sort of sounds lovely. <laughs> I mean, I'm not thinking the bills will be paid if we do that.
1: Well, I mean, at a very practical level if I tried that, there would still be two little people in my house and it would not be super still, you know. Right. Yeah. No, I'm um I didn't quit my job and I'm not going to. I love my job. Um I feel very deeply called to it. I feel like it's a major part of what I'm here to do on earth. I didn't walk away from my marriage or my family or my neighborhood or my church community, I remain deeply connected and kind of interresponsible mm-hmm. for a group of people um, that I want to stay connected to. I love my work. I love my community. What I'm talking about is a different fuel. So I'm not fueled by ambition and anxiety and fear and competition. I'm fueled by a desire to show love and to connect and, um, I'm aware of and helping other people be aware of my capacity and limitations. I just can't do everything. I sometimes think I can and I can't. My body won't let me. My spirit won't let me. My family life won't let me. And the more and more I can articulate what I can and can't do in this world, the freer I am to do the things I really feel called to.
0: Mm -hmm. And yet that takes a lot of soul work, Shauna. I mean, we have to get to the bottom line of why we are prone to the hustle, right? Right,
1: yeah, and and I take responsibility for this. I'm the one that made choices that made my life um, kind of a mess at a certain point. I did those things because I believed a set of things that I no longer believe. But it's taken a long time, and it's really easy to slip back into those patterns. Just last night, you know, I've got a you know book out right now, and that's. Uh, if there was ever a time <laughs> to slip into yeah. the, the hustle and the fear it's right now. And mm-hmm. Aaron and I had a great conversation last night about the questions that I'm asking to keep me out of those places. It's like, I'm like, I'm, I've got training wheels on, you know, mm-hmm. like I know mm-hmm. I'm not good at this yet. And so I'm really working hard um, to make sure I can stay in this good place of love and not fear, but it's a, it's an everyday endeavor.
0: Yeah. And it's something that you don't do alone. you, have people helping you see your blind spots that you can't see. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And uh, let's talk about how then to decide what to say yes to and what to say no to. Mm -hmm. Because all of us have things that are good that might produce good fruit in our lives, so to speak, or good things. Not Mm -hmm. all good things, though, can receive a yes. So is there a grid or some kind of thing that you've discovered that helps you when evaluating yeses and no's?
1: Well, look, there's a couple different things I would say. And one of them is, um, I think for a long time, I believed that, uh, if I was doing it right, no one would ever be disappointed with me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if I had Mm -hmm. somehow figured out the right math on all this, no one would ever be disappointed. Um, it's just not true. Um, when you say yes, uh, And when you say no, you will disappoint someone. Saying yes to someone is saying no to someone else. And my job is to make sure that I'm disappointing the right people in every scenario. So I picture like right at the center of the circle, I picture my own self and health and body, my relationship with God, and then my husband and my kids. We're right in the center of that, right? Just outside of that is my parents, my brother, my very best friends, but a small circle. Then my extended family, some closer, you know, some neighborhood friends outside from their wider church community, kind of publishing colleagues, out, 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 out. And for a long time, I said yes to people at the edges of those concentric circles. And it's the people at the center of my circle that had to pay. Mm. And I'm working really hard right now to switch the math so that as often as possible, the people who are getting disappointed are the people are on the furthest edges of that circle. Mm -hmm. And the people who are getting the best of me are the people in the center. And those are hard conversations, you know, publishing, public, you know, the phrase they like to use in the publishing world is you have to strike while the iron's hot. Um, You know, I've had people in publishing, not my particular team, because they're awesome. But I've had people say, like, sure, you can um, not have a book out that year. But There'll be a woman who's younger than you and more ambitious than you and can travel more than you who, who will have a book out that season. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> You're like, oh, that, that sounds awesome. <laughs> That's
0: encouraging. Right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's true. Um, if I say no to a conference, they might not ask me again. Uh, if mm. I say no to a magazine, they might not ask me again. And um, for a long time, that made me afraid. Mm-hmm. And now that just seems like how life is.
0: Mm. And
1: um, I know that when my kids need me, I'm going to be there. Mm -hmm. And I know that when my husband needs me, I'm going to be there. And I know that when my very best friends, not like 30 of them, but like three need me, I'm going to be there. And a lot of other people, uh, publishers and event planners and whatever are going to get, um, they're going to be lower on the priority list. And that's okay with me for this season.
0: Well, and you know, at the end of the day, when you lay your head on the pillow, you're living what you believe, you know, you're not feeling like you're a fake around the people that are closest to you to please people who you don't even know.
1: Totally. And my, you know, this, this is not a reality show. Like if, if the words I'm writing are not true, then, then it's not valuable. It's not what I'm creating on the inside of my life is so much more important than what people see on the outside. And so I'm putting a disproportionate amount of energy into the insides of my life, trusting that the outsides will take care of themselves along the way.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what did the process look like writing this book? Was it over a course of a long period of time or was it short? Or I know it's a collection of essays. That's the style in yep. which you write. Yep. So talk to us a little bit about that, just behind the scenes on what it was like to write. Well, I
1: am um the slowest writer ever. It it I'm, I'm Are you generous. really? Oh my gosh.
0: Okay, because um. when I read your words, whatever book it is, I just feel like I'm I imagine not this is going to be great to be corrected because I I've, I've got this like idea of how it goes for you, which doesn't happen when I look at a blank cursor. Okay. So, okay. Yes. Tell, tell me how it goes. So this is my view. Okay. So I see your Instagrams and your, your fancy food and your fun breakfast and you, your porch shot and you went out and felt the freezing cold for three minutes and you were quiet <laughs> and then you went in and you've got your cozy jammy pants on and your cozy shirt and you've got this awesome weather that makes you want to feel like a fire and coffee and you open your laptop, which is a MacBook, of course, and you've got mm-hmm. your cursor with your fancy program, I don't know, Scrivener or whatever. It's, it's and- word, but okay. Sure. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, so we've got this cursor, and it's blank, and it's like instead of the dreaded, hated... Awful, gut-wrenching. I'm gonna throw up because I'm gonna be vulnerable feeling. You get this glorious excitement that you're about ready to write so connecting and deeply about the experience you just had last night with your bestest friends who came over and talked with you for like three hours and it was so amazing. Uh Uh Uh-huh. And and then you just start typing and it flows out into the essay I read, and there's no editing, and no one needed to help you. You just sent it and they said, Great, perfect. Then it just like wrote itself and then they said you want another contract you don't even need a proposal and you're good come speak to us yeah, you know, I I want that to be my life
1: too. That, whoever so that, is, us, that my friend lovely. Isn't
0: that so good? <laughs> I'm just I'm just getting so real because I just know I'm not alone. So okay. I want you to have the chance to help us. Let us peek in and see that Shauna is walking a life just like we are, and you're just <sighs> happening to be willing to say truth in writing for the benefit of our hearts.
1: Oh, well, that is sweet. Um, So um, our kids are not allowed to get up, theoretically, are not allowed to get out of bed until 7 o'clock. But they do every single day. And they they make up weird reasons why they can come in our room before 7. And then my husband and I take turns begging each other to start the coffee. um, Like reasons why he should definitely do it or reasons why I should do it. Um, so our whole morning starts with like bargaining and lying, right? right? right. Awesome. As why they're out of bed and why the <laughs> other one of us should get out of bed. Okay. This um, is good. This is good. And then we have about an hour together. Um, Aaron takes my youngest, the, to preschool. Um, and then Henry takes the bus. Um, and at about, and it's so funny cause you can, they can tell when I'm stressed. So, so the house is, it's like our house that we all live in until, um, like eight 20. And then it is my office that they are trespassing in. Um, and that change happens real fast. And right. you, they can tell how anxious I am about how much work I have to get done when it's like seven fifty seven, And I'm like, Hey guys, um, I, I put your, put your, put your backpack on the porch. You can just head out there. I <laughs> act this. You can just totally like, I get like,
0: no problem to be awesome. early at the bus stop. Just roll yeah. yourself right on out there. Goodbye. <laughs> have
1: a good day. <laughs> Totally. They're they're. I'm like, this is now my office and I don't know what you're doing in it. Um, right. So then it takes me a little bit to like, you know, pick up all the things that they destroyed in just the hour they were awake. And Um, And a lot of people talk about, like, that sacred morning time where you have to just be, like, a creative person and totally, like, not check your email or live in the real world. I'm the opposite. Okay, good. I'm feeling better. So my first probably half hour (laughs) after they leave in the morning is – emails, reading the news, yeah. like I, I need to see what's happening in the world, both my world and the big world right And I need to feel like I have a handle on all of that um, before I can do a good solid chunk of writing. And I do really like to write um, and I like to edit. So uh, before my editor even sees something, I do a lot of editing myself. Nothing you've ever read that I've written has come out fully formed like that. <laughs> okay. um, I almost never, the, 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 beginning of a paragraph is very rarely where it actually began.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I almost always have to add in, um, a beginning paragraph. Uh, the ending is never the first ending. Um, and I do a lot of editing and what's weird about me, I think is I just write essay after essay after essay, and then we go through a process right at the end where we put it all in order and we do that very much as a team. And then that changes a lot of the essays a little bit. Like you have to add and eliminate a whole lot of details to make it all make sense in this new order.
0: Ah, I got it.
1: So, um, so generally I write at home in my pajamas while the kids are at school in my office by that, I mean the couch in my kitchen <laughs> um, <laughs> and I totally don't do a desk. I don't have an office. I literally write sometimes in my bed and sometimes on my couch Um, I, none of the kids in the neighborhood think I have a job. Of course they don't because they only see me like at home in my pajamas. Um, (laughs) but I will say one thing that was different for this book was I went on, I think just two, but I think two or three like little writing retreats. Mm -hmm. And I really needed that for this book. One was in South Haven and then one was in Lake Geneva. Maybe I went there twice, but, um, more so the the, like bread and wine was really easy for me to knock out like in very little bite sized chunks. Mm -hmm. And this was one where a couple times I needed like a deep dive into silence. I needed, Mm -hmm. um, to be totally away, um, from everything in order to get into it. And that's not how that's generally not how I've done any of my writing. It's always been very much like two hours here, four hours there, and that's fine. Um, but this one needed some some more stretches of away time.
0: Yeah, it's so great that you were able to get away because I imagine, since reading your words, that this was a message that was a little deeper that was at a soul level that really spoke to our hearts. And it, you know, required you to get to a place where you could really be present in that deep place within yourself. So probably required a little more time to take off and get into that mode. And then, you know, a little more time to land the message as well. So I'm glad you able oh, at ab- get away. Absolutely. I would say, yeah, looking at like bread and wine was like a cakewalk,
1: you know, just writing it like, <laughs> sure, I'd like to write about dinner parties. That sounds fun, you know? (laughs) And this was a really different process. And you're exactly right. It did take me a lot more time to kind of get into that, like, Mm -hmm. deep, rich spot. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, it was a really worthwhile process. And it, it changed me so much along the way that I'm really, really thankful for that.
0: How has it changed your relationships with the people that are not only close to you, but the people that are maybe in those outside fringes? Because you talk about staying vulnerable and sometimes telling the truth is harder than just changing the subject or this idea of stopping banter and charm. Can you just speak a little to that? Because it, it applies to our marriages and our friendships and how we choose to either repair cracks or let them sh- the connection shatter, that sort of thing. I loved that part. You know,
1: I am, I'm always, just my, the nature of my personality, I'm always gonna be better at like banter and small talk than I am at really deep, connection. Um, and that's something I work on every day in my marriage and in my close friendships and with my kids. I, I, and I, it's like muscle memory. I get a little bit better at it every day, but, uh, um, when I can put down what I'm doing, put down my phone, clear my mind for a second and go talk with my husband about his day, even if it's just for 20 minutes, it's asking good questions and being all there with him that changes our day together. And my temptation is always like, Hey, you cool. I'm cool. Let's just like sit here and watch a movie, you know? Um, yeah. and, uh, but I, a little bit better, even in you know, the sound so silly, but I've got a full day of these interviews and for part of the morning, my um, son is home with me and I'm racing down the stairs in between everyone like, Hey buddy, I'm still here. Are you okay? What do you need? Or, you know, mm-hmm. just so that he knows I'm there, uh, every little bit. Um, or he's fine. He doesn't need that. But I want to be more intentionally connected in big ways and in little ways. So I'm really working on that.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that. Well, thank you again for being vulnerable to write this message and brave enough to live this message. And I'm thankful that you joined us to remind us today, wherever we are, that we can be present over perfect and feel really, really connected to God and connected to the people that matter the most in our lives. It's really key for us to remember. So where can we find the book? Where can we find you online and uh, all those things? Yep. Um,
1: everything you need to know about the book is at presentoverperfect.com.
0: And that connects to my
1: blog, which is shaunanequist.com. And um, the book will be available everywhere. Um, they're doing a special limited signed edition at Barnes and Noble, which is fun. And in terms of social media, my favorite of the platforms is Instagram. So that's just at snequist.
0: Love it. Well, again, many blessings to you, Shauna. We are thankful for you. Thank you so much. You the, you have made this really fun and really easy. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, have a great day. Thanks, you too. Okay. Bye. Well, that's all for this episode. And man, I just am so thankful, as I said, to Shauna. I'll say it again. I'm so thankful for her message. And the reason I am is because it's this message of there being no frantic rush, No hustling for worth, no striving to convince ourselves that we're worthy. It's just embracing a deep sense of slowing down, finding the silence, absorbing God's love, the love that is ours, no matter what we do or no matter what we fail to do and choosing to walk a path with him and our closest people, wherever it leads. You know, Shauna's words were with me in Alaska as I traveled this summer. It's one of the books I took on vacation. And I had told you that I would be posting every other week in July. And I was tempted to steal away moments from being present with my family to try to keep the commitment that I had made to you here. And it was her message that made me decide, you know what? i'm going to choose to be present over appearing to be perfect because you know being perfect is always an appearance it's not really true it's a facade it's it's never possible, and chasing it becomes futility and a hustle for worth that um, leads us to a place that's just burnt out and run down place like Shauna describes in her book, Present Over Perfect. And so I'm thrilled to be sharing this message because it's a message that I'm personally working through and working out. And I hope you'll join me and Shauna as we do just that. We learn to, in each of our moments, be more present over being more perfect. So, You can find all the links that were mentioned in this episode over at JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 96. And that includes all the links to Shauna's book, her uh, book trailer, which is lovely as she walks along the edge of a lake explaining what the book is about. It's just lovely in every way. And so I would encourage you to go check that out. And we're giving a book away thanks to the generosity of Shauna's publisher. And so in order to enter to win... Unfortunately, we can only send books to the United States. So if you are in our international audience, my apologies to you for that. I think it's something related to shipping and the details of that. But if you are in the United States and you would like to enter to win a copy of Shauna's book, just get out your cell phone and you can text the word present over perfect to the number three. 330- 444 and I would love for you to enter that and we'll leave it open for about a week or so and then I'll select a winner and we'll ship you that book directly to where you are. And so as usual, I would love for you to subscribe to the show. If you're not subscribed already, it's super easy. You can go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes and just click on that subscribe button. That way every week when an episode is released, it'll just roll right on out to you. You don't even have to look for it or anything. You can also, if you feel like you want to, leave a rating or review. That would bless me so much to hear feedback from you. And it helps iTunes know to show the show to more show the show that's kind of funny show the show uh to expose the show to more people so that they can be encouraged by these mud stories too i have some fun shows coming up for you i want you to know today no matter what it is you're facing no matter what mud you're looking at today it's my great joy to join you here each and every week and i long for you to know that you are never ever alone have a beautiful day